The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagan. Presenting Season 9, Avalanche, Interlude. Who can it be now? Written by Mercedes Lackey. For some reason, gods only know why, I kept my Twitter account active and open on a little tiny terminal to the side. Nostalgia, maybe. Thinking about that time before we set up Overwatch, and the only way outside of using echocoms to talk to Red was by Twitter, of all damn things. I sure as hell didn't want to use it to tweet the cheery crap Spin used to ask me to. Not that we were in any position to tweet anything cheery at this point. Except maybe. Guess what? No one died today. So, I was kind of startled when the speakers did that little raspberry I'd substituted for the chirpy little sound Twitter used to give me the alert for a private message. The hell, Red? I thought, and swiveled a little to peer at the monitor. Who is at Rank Beast 42? And how did he get past my friend's only PM's block? The avatar was simple enough. A stark black depiction of the two heads of Janus against a white background. Janus, the Roman god of beginnings and endings, of portals and transitions. The message, though, it was ambiguous. It screamed red. At Rank Beast 42. Time is not on our side. I tweeted back. At Victoria Victrix. Red, this is no time to get playful. I know I'm late for practice. At Victoria Victrix. I'm juggling a couple knives and a chainsaw right now. It had to be Red. And he knew I could mute him on Overwatch, too, so he figured he'd get my attention this way. At Rank Beast 42. Not red. Just someone reaching out. Someone with intel. I began dropping mental F-bombs. Then I relaxed. This was on Twitter. This was meaningless. Some hacker had figured out how to send me PMs. So what? He might have something useful. It wouldn't hurt to play along. At Victoria Victrix. I'm listening. So talk. And whoever it was... did. My Twitter feed came alive with links, each loaded with precious data. A little I couldn't use... A lot that I could. Suddenly, I was overwhelmed with suggestions for safe ports, embassies, entire districts, and trustworthy research labs for my population of medicine scientists, each complete with protocols and contacts for acquiring safe haven. Something I had been putting a lot of skull sweat into at that very moment. There were detailed maps, revealing hotspots for Thulean strike teams, calculated patterns predicting times and places they would likely strike next. 
There were even charted movements of their ambush avenues, maneuvers and escape formations. And finally, a detailed list of companies and their recent activities, investitures, breakdowns, and one clear foreword. Shell Companies of Dominic Verdigree III. At Rank Beast 42. That get your attention? It was a good thing all those PMs had taken a while to produce, because at least I had time to check some of them out, get my jaw up off the floor, and stop panting, and actually reply. At Victoria Victrix. Indeed, Daniel Jackson. Thank you. Thank you very much. At Rank Beast 42. This is what I do. These are things I find and figure out. Way more than I can deal with right now. At Victoria Victrix. What's the catch? Because I couldn't let him, slash her, slash it, know just yet that I was practically whooping the more links I opened and the more info I grabbed. And no one is ever this helpful unless they want something. At Rank Beast 42. No catch. It's information that should be used by people I trust. Still not convinced? Try this. I received one final link. A link to a short page of text that detailed a rather repugnant fairy tale of one 15th century Italian girl decimating her entire family in her thirst for fiendish power. It sounded strangely familiar, but the tone was odd, the style rather simple. Whoever the writer was, they weren't very good. At Victoria Victrix, if you're pitching a story, this one's been done, and you need some practice with your prose. At Rank Beast 42, sorry, not all of us are prose. What if I told you this was something I gleaned from a mutual enemy of ours? At Victoria Victrix. Gleaned? You mean this is an actual memory of someone's? At Rank Beast 42. Of a fair-haired she-devil we both know and loathe. Of course. It all came together, and just like that, I knew what harmony was. Or at least I had a pretty good set of clues, and I knew just how to verify it. At Rank Beast 42 Not sure what to make of it myself, but I figure you might know what it means. Helpful? At Victoria Victrix Oh, yes. Very. At Rank Beast 42. More will come as I get it. And you're welcome. The feed went quiet then. I uplinked the Metis stuff to Bell, the Thulian stuff to Bull and Pride, and the Verd stuff to Ramona, who had the best head for that sort of thing. 
and then I went out to get my ass handed to me by Red and Mel. But not because I couldn't keep up. Because my head was still buzzing. Who was this guy? And why me? Interlude Bent Penny Written by Mercedes Lackey The dark man had taken her again. She knew better than to struggle when he came for her. All the kids did, of course, though that didn't stop some of them from struggling anyway. The good ghost couldn't do anything about it, either. Although the dark man always acted a little oddly when the good ghost was around, glancing over his shoulder uneasily, as if he could feel the good ghost's glare. It was always the same when the dark man took her. He would take her to a strange, bare room, not like the room the devil used at all. It was a bare, concrete box. There were symbols and diagrams meticulously drawn in white paint all over the walls, the floor, and the ceiling. There was a chair in the middle of the room, like a dentist chair, but with straps. He would strap her into it, then make it lie down. Then he'd mumble over her, and wave things over her, and do other things that just didn't make any sense at all. Sometimes he'd burn smelly things. Sometimes he'd make her drink nasty stuff that put her to sleep. He had never actually hurt her yet, that she knew of. But somehow what he was doing made her more scared than if he had. It just felt wrong, what he was doing. Wrong in a way that made her feel sick. He'd just strapped her into the chair and tilted it back when the devil came in. Today the devil had no face at all, just slits for eyes, a slit for the nose, and a slit for the mouth. Somehow that was the most horrible of his faces. Penny turned her head and closed her eyes, but the devil and the dark man were paying no attention to her. "'That is your fascination with this one?' the devil asked, in his odd, high voice. She shivered. Someone that terrible should not have a nice voice. That was just wrong.' There is something about her that I have not yet been able to identify, the dark man replied, his horrible tobacco breath making her want to gag. It's close enough to magic that I can certainly use her. But if I can truly understand what it is, she might be more useful to me in... Another day. There was a pause. And speaking of that, when will you be done with these children? I've already missed two opportunities to complete my project. It would be exceedingly 
irritating to miss another. I think I am very close to a conclusion, one day or another, the devil said, sounding odd. His voice trembled ever so little. Either way, you will get your wish. This entire facility and everything it contains will be yours. And so will that woman you want, just as I promised. The voice caressed, like a beautiful hand that left trails of slime behind it. Then have I ever disappointed you, darling. The dark man snorted. With your damned stubbornness, every hour in the beginning. And that was decades ago. You and I have shared too much now. We have too much history between us. We owe each other too much. You made me what I am, after all. The devil laughed, and Penny convulsed in shudders. The sound was, whatever the opposite of joy was, that was what was in that laugh. The dark man's voice took on tones of gloating. Excellent. I was hoping you would not renege on our bargain after I have given you everything you asked for. Then his tone turned darker. That would not be wise. And you are right. We owe each other too much to muddy our history with the betrayal over something as trivial as a few children and a woman. Regardless, you should heed my words and not dally in your tasks. Things are changing. I can smell it in the air. There may come a time, and soon, when your masters will tighten their grip, and you will no longer be permitted your own uh, amusements. The devil just snorted. A moment later, the door opened and closed. When Penny turned her head to peek, he was gone. But the dark man was still there. He bent over her and smiled with horrible stained teeth. Now, my little mystery, he said. Let me see if I can unravel you this time. Focus Written by Dennis Lee and Mercedes Lackey Run the recording, ordered Bulwark. From the beginning. The tech nodded, but Bull's attention was riveted to the screens, which showed several views of Harmony's cell. Harmony was seated on her cot, which was one of only three pieces of furniture in the transparent cube inside a second transparent cube in the middle of the room.
she was wearing standard Echo prison issue. Gray scrubs, with no drawstrings that a prisoner could use as a weapon or means of suicide. Her eyes were open, but she didn't seem to be looking at anything. Suddenly, she started, as if in shock, as the door opened, and a small blonde figure dressed head to toe in brown entered. It looked to Bulwark as if Harmony had been taken completely by surprise, that she somehow had not sensed the presence of a visitor before the visitor arrived, which would be quite out of the ordinary for Harmony, given the range her senses were known to extend to. The young woman closed the door behind herself and made certain that it was secure. Then she turned to face Harmony. Hello, Harmony, said Victoria Victrix in a completely neutral tone of voice. She stepped forward and surveyed the prisoner for a moment. This was not a Vicky Bull had ever seen before. There was no fear, no hesitancy. This woman was focused. She was also... Well, gaunt was not quite the word Bull was looking for. Refined, perhaps. Honed down to the essentials. Thinner than he remembered her being. Leaner. Then again, he hadn't been going out of his way to look in on her. And of late, she seemed to be spending every waking and sleeping hour in her overwatch suite. Harmony had already recovered from her start of surprise, and stood up, arms crossed over her chest. Operative Victrix, the voice of Overwatch, she replied in a tone of amused irony. Do you realize this is the first time we've met face to face? To what do I owe the honor? I don't think I'd be mistaken in presuming you made very certain we never met face to face in the past, Harmony, Vicky replied slowly beginning to circle the cube, reminding Bulwark of a hunting cat circling around something it was unsure of. She wasn't so much walking as stalking. You know very well that if we had, I'd have spotted you as being something other than what you seemed. As for why I'm here, probably the same reason why you kept that meeting from ever taking place— some things just don't translate to a monitor screen. They never do, Harmony agreed. But that doesn't answer my question. Why are you here, Victrix? And why now? Harmony was turning in place to face Vicky, her eyes never leaving Vicky's face, as Vicky finished one circuit of the cube and began a second. To answer the last question first, because this is the first time I've had a free hour since Tesla was murdered, Vicky replied, still in that even tone. To answer the first, it's because I have a profound dislike for things I don't understand when they're in my specialty. Your specialty? I assume you mean the arcane and not computers. 
Harmony shrugged. Oh, this should be very entertaining. Pray continue. Vicky finished the second round of the cube and began a third. It was obsessing me a bit, she said. What you did to Bull, that feeding tube you stuck in him, that I broke. It acted like a spell, but it wasn't a spell. But it wasn't a metapower either. Upir confirmed that. Harmony happened to be facing a camera as Vicky said that, and the close-up of her face showed her pupils flaring and contracting for a moment. So, you're the one that broke it. And here all this time I'd been assuming it was the angel that so completely preoccupied Dom. Sarah never does anything we can already do for ourselves, Vicky said flatly. I knew you weren't a mage. Mages leave fingerprints all over their spells that other mages can read. What you did was clean. It was also more primitive than any spell I'd ever seen before. I couldn't figure it out. How could you pull off something that was like a spell, but wasn't a spell? So I came here to confirm a few suspicions. Harmony turned and glared at Victrix. If you seek answers, I am always ready to deal. We could help each other, Victoria. I could do a great deal for you, should I choose to. Vicky stopped, back in the place where she had started. She gave Harmony a good, long stare, and her brows furrowed. Cut the crap, Harmony. What you do is like a spell, because it's magic. You aren't a magician, but you're no meta. You're made of magic. A magical creature like an elemental. And like an elemental, your abilities leave no fingerprints. They work at a primitive level. What you did is a natural ability, isn't it? Never mind, don't answer that. Victrix exhaled and seemed to relax, though her eyes continued to bore into harmony. You don't conjure anything, she continued. You don't command the elements. You don't bind energies or seem to focus them. What you do comes from what you are, and what you are seems to be quite rare. I can't say I've come across anything quite like you. That might scare some people. It should. But I'm not scared. And you can tell, can't you? I'm not scared at all. What I am is very, very curious. I have a pretty good idea, but I've been told in some ways I have the soul of a scientist. I just need confirmation. And if I'm right, I have to wonder. Victoria's eyes grew wide. In surprise? In wonder? Delight? Bulwark frowned, unable to place it. He felt a shudder as it came to him, and was shocked at the stark ferocity of it. The Victrix he knew 
that they all knew, was a timid woman. A woman who hid from the world and fought her battles from behind locked doors. He had observed her hiding in the background, desperate to avoid the spotlight, content to exert her considerable influences from the shadows. She had enormous strength, he knew that, but he often wondered if she would ever break free from her self-imposed exile. He had never given up on her, but this was beyond anything he could have conceived. She stood there, not with a newfound strength or courage or determination. It was stronger than that. Her look could only be described as feral. She was hungry. Tell me, Harmony, Victoria said. Are you the first of your kind? Or the last? Bulwark watched as Harmony turned away from Victrix and sat down on her cot. She came to rest in lotus position and closed her eyes. You can pretend to ignore me all you want, Harmony, Vicky said. But I will have answers. I'm a mathemagician. I see magic as equations, and I have over twenty years of learning how to unravel those equations. You can't hide what you are from someone who can see the math behind the deceptions. Her lips twitched a little. Also, while you were distracted, I thrice ringed you. Once I did that, you lost any protective coloration you had, magically speaking. Harmony appeared to ignore the little mage. Vicky's lips thinned, and her chin jutted out aggressively. She crossed her arms over her chest and became as immobile as a statue. There was a long, long pause during which neither of them moved. Then there was a flash of light. The camera whited out for a moment simultaneously with Vicky's gasp. When the camera view came back, Vicky had raised her hand, interposed between herself and Harmony. Was she shielding herself? Or something else? Magic, notoriously, did not show up on camera, as Vicky had explained long ago. Only the bleed-through effects into the real world. Vicky continued to stare at Harmony, but after a moment her face softened, and she nodded in satisfaction. Thought so, she said. Harmony didn't answer. Perhaps she hadn't heard what Vicky said. Perhaps Vicky hadn't expected her to answer. This isn't over, Vicky said at last. Not while Echo can use you. You cost us too much to let you die. Besides, blaming you for what happened to Bruno would be like blaming a cobra for striking at what cornered it. Your abilities are primitive, Harmony. And so is your essential nature, no matter how much of a veneer of civilization you put on it. If anyone's to blame for Bruno's death, it's me. And you're still useful. So I'm not going to let you starve. But, seeing as I can't let you feed on anyone here either, 
she made a series of three swift gestures in the air between them. There was nothing visible in the monitors as Vicky closed her eyes and bowed her head, but the effect on Harmony was dramatic. She jerked, flung her head back, her fists unclenched, and she spread her arms a little, as if she was braced against a welcome wind. And moments later, Harmony began to change. Bulwark had not realized how pallid she had been, how shrunken her cheeks, until color suffused her face, and it took on the look of vibrant good health again. They stood there, like that, for ten full minutes by the clock on the recordings. Then Vicky looked up and chopped her hand through the air between them. That should hold you for a while, and I'll be back when you run low again, she said, a little hoarsely. Then came that wry twist of her lips. Sorry it isn't as tasty as what you were getting from the buffet. There's something to be said for bitter but strong, Harmony replied. But how are you? Hiding that from Bella, the empath who lives next door? Vicky snorted. Practice, practice, practice. Why did you... Harmony narrowed her eyes. You want me to owe you. Vicky tapped her finger on her nose and pointed it at Harmony. Got it in one. That's the lore, right? Freely given, not stolen, nor taken by stealth. Means you owe me. Right? Right. Harmony actually growled the word. Damn you, Victrix. You're not the first to say that, Vicky shrugged. She flicked her fingers, perhaps dismissing the thrice ring, turned, and left without a word. The door closed behind her. Harmony glared at it, muttered something, and slowly lowered herself down on her cot. She continued to watch the door. Pause it. There. Bulwark snapped. Close in on her. The monitor froze on a brief twitch that broke Harmony's calm and uncaring demeanor. For a moment, her nostrils had flared, her lips had curled, and angry lines had appeared across her brow. Bull knew that look. It promised murder. You want to tell me what you think you were doing in there? He asked. From her seat, tucked neatly in the back of the room, Victoria sighed and stood up. She strolled up beside him and crossed her arms in defiance. My job, she said looking up and directly into his eyes. I'm the only expert you have on magic. Harmony's magic. We need to know what she is and what she can do. QED, I was doing my job. And for the record, you folks would never have been able to deduce what I found out. So, 
What is she? Bull asked. She told him. Come again? She explained it. Mind you, that doesn't mean I've figured out everything she can do. So there could be some... surprises down the road. She was banjo-wire tense. Despite her calm expression, every muscle was clenched, waiting for something. Probably his response. Right, he grunted, and favored her with a patronizing look. You're telling me we're living in a penny dreadful. What next? Werewolves that work for the feds? Victrix coughed. The job needed doing. I did it. There's your intel. Well, you'll excuse me if I don't ask you for a written report. You can't possibly expect me to sign off on something like that. It would look a bit odd, she agreed, still tense. Bull glanced up at the monitor. You see that? That look there? That's her Victrix. Whatever rules you think she has to play by, whatever you think is binding her, that's who she is. She means to end you. And she's not looking to make it clean or quick. You had no business going in there like that. The odd thing was, he expected an explanation an excuse, or anger. The look in her eyes was none of that. It was the flat despair of someone who didn't care anymore. You never would have given me permission, she said. And this was something you have to know. You're damned right. Of course I am. You're damned right I wouldn't have given you permission to go in there and paint a giant target on yourself. He held her with a stern look. You're too important. And we've lost too many as it is. She got a guarded look. Not that important. You've got the Colt brothers now. And I've got... stuff in the works. No one can be irreplaceable around here. You think I mean just your value with Overwatch? He asked, and shook his head. Yes, I do, she said flatly, that look of despair flashing across her eyes again. I've already cost you too much. That's the only thing that keeps me valuable. I've heard some pretty asinine things in my life, Bull muttered. That one ranks, I think. What do you think I do here exactly? What have I been working for all this time? I teach people their worth, Victrix. No one is expendable. And if you truly think you are, then perhaps you don't have a place here. Her eyes went empty. That's what I'm working towards, she said and turned away to go. Now wait a moment. 
Vicky flinched as Bull reached out for her. He caught himself and grimaced, and drew his hand back, cautiously. I went too far, he said simply. No, you were just blunt. She looked back at him. You think you know what a person is worth, Bull? You know jack shit. Everyone's telling me how important I am, how I can't ever give up. Hell, Red even made me promise. And it wasn't sort of the promise I can just break. I can't walk away from this, do you understand? It's on me. I have to do everything I can, no matter what it costs me. Every decision, every choice I make, I've had to consider what it means to the greater good. Never mind what it might do to one person. It's everyone as a whole that counts, right? Do you have any idea how tired and numb and broken I feel? She rubbed her eyes with an odd defiance and straightened up. Doesn't matter. I can't let it matter. I've got a job to do, and no one is going to stop me from doing it. I'm going to fight to the end, and I don't suppose I'm going to make it. Can't really say if it's going to be a Krieger blast that takes me out, or the way I'm killing myself night and day to make things work. Or yes, maybe it'll be Harmony. I can tell you what it won't be, though. It won't be because I didn't balance all the risks against the rewards. Bull began to answer, but stopped, confused. Vicky sighed. It won't be by committing suicide by taking deliberately stupid risks for small rewards. This isn't all on you, Bulwark growled. You can't take on all of this yourself. There's a reason for us, for Echo, for the CCCP, for all the nations banding together in this fight. You can't expect to take on the burden of a war all by your lonesome. None of us fight alone. You keep going like this, someday you'll have me send you out alone to die. Vicky glared back at him and nodded. If that's what's needed, if you have to, then I expect you to do it. Like you did with Bruno? He regretted saying it immediately. From the moment Bruno had died, Bull had hidden his feelings from Victrix. A part of him blamed her for the boy's death, as much as he blamed himself as much as a part of him would always hold Scope accountable for driving Acrobat towards a suicidal fight with a killer like Harmony. But he held it back. He kept it tucked away, never to be brought forth and used as a weapon. He did that a lot, he knew, but it was his way. His trademark stoicism wasn't a product of upbringing or indicative of an extremely introverted nature. It was a choice he had made long ago. In truth, it was all a mask for the boundless levels of rage he felt most of his days, 
a rage he controlled most carefully. It had hurt people, years ago, and badly enough that he had sworn to never let it loose again. It was a promise he had broken over the years. Once, it was released in a mighty blow that had brought a building down on top of him. Usually, it barely registered as little more than pointed jabs, harmless vents of scalding words easily passed off as stern reprimands. Here, he had revealed a bit too much. He had mentioned the boy, and all those months of pent-up frustration over another preventable death seeped out. It was the last thing she needed to hear. Yes, a part of him would always blame Victrix for Acrobat's death. And now, she knew it. The blood drained from her face. But she didn't drop her eyes. Yes, my dad says that one foobar cancels out a thousand attaboys. My foobar was Bruno. And I can never, ever make that up. But I'll die trying. Her eyes were blank looking somewhere other than him. Carefully, she turned back towards the door, walking as if every joint was made of broken glass. He watched her leave, and cursed silently. We all die trying, Vicky, he murmured. My fear is that you're trying to die. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Narration and production by Veronica Jaguer at VoicesByVeronica.com. Quality review and production assistance by Laura Nicole at ResonantMoon.com. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series is released under a Creative Commons Attribution No Derivatives 4.0 license. For previous episodes, check out secretworldchronicle.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the fantastic people at Bayon Books. Find fellow SWC fans on the Facebook group at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Secret World Chronicle. And, as always, thank you for listening.